What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 24 of Art Pays Me. Before we get into it, I want to do my regular shout-outs. I want to shout-out Kemi Smith, the uh, former guest. He um, gave some love to the show, is uh, saying that he's a regular listener. So props to him, and thank you for the support. And uh, make sure you hit him up if you want to help the Bahamas, because he's a Bahamian, and uh, he has a... He works at a barbershop, and he's accepting donations. Look up Kemi Smith on Instagram. Laura Simpson, she was really uh, appreciative of the episode with Rebecca and um, gave the show some props. So I want to thank Laura for that. I also want to give a shout-out to my big sister, Crystal, from Another Mister. <laughs> Uh, she, I, I had some, some technical stuff coming up with the live show that I need some help with. And she offered some recommendations and, uh, she's just generally always supportive of what's going on. So thank you to Crystal. And I want to also give a shout out to the coast and say, thank you for featuring us this week in, uh, some of you in, in the, in the coast. So thank you for that. And I also want to offer some congratulations to everyone who's participating in Atlantic Atlantic Fashion Week this year. I couldn't be there. There was some timing things that came up that made me not be able to work on a collection. And it was my daughter's birthday on on this same weekend. So next year, hopefully, things will work out in a way that I'll be able to participate. And I look forward to being back next year. Art Pays Me Live is coming up if you're listening to this as it released on saturday then you've got a few more days uh tuesday september 24th is the date 6 p.m at the foggy goggle i'm interviewing elena camille and uh, jordan moore two fabulous illustrators really important get out there you'll meet tons of artists we've got a bunch of tickets sold but we're not sold out yet so let's get it sold out that would be dope but, you know, these things are always great because of the actual community that it forms. So just uh, keep that in mind. And um, I actually want to thank Visual Arts Nova Scotia and their publication, Visual Arts News, for being a sponsor of the event and a partner. And you'll get some goodies from them as a, for everyone who comes to the show and also as a prize pack. They'll be, they'll be part of the door prize. So I look forward to seeing you all there on Tuesday and uh, shout out to East Coast Creative Collective for their role in the show. Let's get into this episode. I interviewed Kimberly Eddy. She's a painter. We talked about where she grew up, how she went from being a teacher to a full-time painter, her time living in my home country of Bermuda and how it left its mark on her, why she incorporates the ocean into so much of her work, And we also talk about how one gets their work recognized by galleries and collectors. It was actually a little more simple than I thought it would be, to be honest. And um, we also get into how she has a simple system for pricing her work. And that takes that um, emotional stuff out of it. Because as a lot of artists um, have in common with her is pricing is something that we we tend to have a difficult thing dealing with time dealing with so 
this was a great conversation. Kimberly is is lovely. She has been a supporter of my brand, supporter of my brand for a long time, and uh, I just really enjoy what she does as an artist. And this is my first time actually getting to talk to her beyond just a few things on like back and forth on social media. So it was nice to see that she's actually just as great on in in, in uh, person as as she is on social media. So. Let's get into the show. What up, artists? My name is Dwayne Jones. I'm the creative director and founder of a lifestyle brand called Art Pays Me. This is the Art Pays Me podcast, and I'm passionate about finding ways that people like you and me can make a living for ourselves off of our creativity. And, you know, maybe we can make the world a better place at the same time. Let's get into it. All right, so Kimberly, Eddie, thank you for doing Art Pays Me. It's been a long time coming. <laughs> thank you for having me on. Yeah, yeah, and and you are like a legit artist. Like you're not. You <laughs> <laughs> was like trying to be one, pretending to be yeah. one. Well, um, yeah. Basically, um, to sum it up, I'm a visual artist, and I paint the ocean. And I use a whole bunch of different media, um, from epoxy resin to acrylic paints to sand. And I use them all to represent the ocean from different perspectives, um, whether it's like aerial or from the shore or underwater. But yeah, I'm, I'm a full-time artist. So what is it about the ocean that you're so drawn to? Well... Um, you know, it's, it really centers me going to like, if I'm having a stressful day and I go to the beach or go for a walk along the ocean, it's just automatically my, my heart rate comes down. You know, it's just, I'm just feeling better about whatever stress I had on my plate that day and, um, painting the ocean actually it really makes me it just gives me the same feelings as being by the ocean mm-hmm. yeah you you actually stood out to me because i'm from bermuda and i think i mm-hmm. came across you on instagram at some point or something i was like this art reminds me of home and then it turned out you were actually painting <laughs> water from bermuda yeah. so it was <laughs> this crazy moment of while well, you like really do a great job of capturing that feeling of of the um, island water so why bermuda what well that makes me feel really good coming from a bermudian <laughs> because bermuda is really really important to me um uh a number of years ago i actually had the chance to live um in bermuda for about three years um and i was living and i was working there and um i was i was in this little beautiful bermudian little cottage high up on a hilltop overlooking the water and um you know i just I, the, the the colors of the water in bermuda just um like it just does something to to me it just inspires me and draws me in and when I close my eyes I can just I can just see that clear Bermuda water but I ended up there um actually becoming an artist has been a real circuitous route for me like a lot of artists like you know I know you went to art school I did not um 
Yeah, yeah, I'm self-taught. So um, I do have a creative background, but I have a varied background. So when I was living in Bermuda, I was actually a high school teacher. I taught at Cedar Bridge Academy. Oh, no way. Yeah, I did. I taught uh, social studies. So one of the one of the things that I was teaching there was um, like a module in in geography on the Bermuda coral reef, and I just absolutely fell in love with the coral reef system in Bermuda and just you know the way it looks through the water when you're looking down on it, the way it looks in the water water when you're under the water and actually like snorkeling and free diving around it um yeah it's a really special place so um i'm back in halifax now and um i still i can't get bermuda like i think a piece of me still lives there somehow part of my soul i think will always live there um so it's it's interesting you know i do paint a lot of nova scotia water but i just keep going back to those beautiful bermuda blues so mm-hmm. yeah, I it's so I'm a being from there. I you know it's I, I'm a beach snob. It's just it's just automatic. You just you can't. Of course. Um, but I do have to admit that I was surprised at how nice the beaches are here. Uh, mm-hmm. What is it? Just the ocean specifically, though, or are you also drawn mm-hmm. to lakes and, and that kind of thing? That's- Sorry, am I drawn to? Like lakes and rivers oh, and lakes. water in general? Yeah, it's definitely water in general. Um, I do love water in general, but there's something about the ocean that is a little extra special for me. Um, you know, I love a brook, a stream, a lake, um, a pond. I, I think it's par- partially, really, it's it's the properties of water itself. You know, I love that it's reflective, like a mirror, and it reflects the sky. And I love that it refracts, and you can see through it, like like a window. You know, you can see into a wave, um, and just that liquid form, and it's life giving. And you know, it's it just looking at the ecosystems within, but but really the ocean. I mean, it's where life started. It's um, it's salty, it's clean, it's, I don't know, there's just something really fresh and inspiring to me about the ocean in particular. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I, when it's that, I don't know, that clear water, there's something about the translucency, the transparency that just draws me in. Yeah, I, I love that you mentioned the clean part because I feel like growing up in Bermuda, one of the things that was always big for us is if I got a cut or anything my mom would just be like okay jump overboard go go to the beach go swimming yeah it heals it (laughs) heals and I think it doesn't just heal us physically but it heals us emotionally you know it's interesting um I actually it's kind of an interesting story how I ended up um painting just the ocean because I didn't always just paint the ocean um, you know, I've always been drawn to it, but, um, what actually kind of solidified that for me was, um, a number of years ago, my husband was diagnosed with cancer mm-hmm. and it was brutal. I mean, it was life changing. It turned my world upside down. Um, and I was working, I left teaching. I mentioned that my path to becoming a full-time artist was circuitous and it really was. So I had left teaching and, um, I ended up in interior decorating 
And it's a long story, but it's a very creative career. Mm-hmm. And what um, what I found myself doing a lot for my clients was painting murals and painting custom canvases for their spaces. So mm-hmm. I was painting a lot at this point, but not really considering myself an artist. I was still interior decorator. But when when my husband was, you know, when he got his diagnosis and the protocol was, oh, it was really brutal. I mean, it was intense and awful and I had little kids and yeah, it was it was really tough. So I found myself painting more and more and more. I was just standing in front of my easel more and more. And it wasn't for anybody else, but it was for me this time. And it's funny, but I kept, I, I you know, I, I would stand in front of the, the easel and I'd think, well, what am I going to paint? And, and time and time again, it was the ocean. And, you know, I realized that painting the ocean was giving me this peace and this calm. And um, it was, it was kind of allowing me to become centered. Mm. And, um, well, the good news is that my husband is actually cancer free now. Um, yeah, he's, he's doing great. But, um, you know, when he got that clean bill of health, we kind of had this conversation. He said, I see how, how happy painting makes you. And would you consider doing it full time? Like it just, it centers you. It makes you a happier person, takes away the stress. And, um, yeah, so, so that's kind of what led me to become a full-time artist and, um, no matter what I would, you know, kind of think about painting, it seems like it always came back to the ocean. And, and I guess I just really identify that with, um, I guess it's almost like meditation when I'm painting. Yeah. And yeah. And, and I just, um, yeah, I just kind of never looked back. So it's interesting that your husband motivated you that direction. Do you think it was because at that state he was in, he had that clarity of mind of focusing on what really matters. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, he's always been really good at that, but, um, I mean, it was a pretty harrowing event and, um, yeah, it definitely realigns your priorities when your family goes through a health scare like that. Mm. So you grew up in Halifax, I'm assuming. Yeah. Um, actually in Dartmouth, right across the Harbor. Okay. Yeah, okay. I grew up in Dartmouth. And you always you always had this like creative streak and mm-hmm. Yeah. Um I was really lucky, you know, as a child, I spent a lot of time with my grandparents. Um I was actually an only child until I was almost 10 when my brother came along. Oh, okay. Um yeah, so I spent a lot of time on my own as a child, but um, and with, you know, kind of playing on my own. My grandparents actually minded me during the days when my mother was off at work. And my grandfather was really creative. And one of the things that we would do together is we'd go out, you know, into the woods or along the seashore and we'd collect things like moss and shells and rocks. And he'd make these cool little dioramas together with me like inside of a shoebox or on a tray, you know, and I'd, I'd, I'd invent these, these little worlds. And I'd imagine like all the things that would go on in these little mini biospheres. And, and I think that, I don't know, I I just think I was um, like quiet, but creative. And I would just play for hours on my own. And then 
in the summertime, again, with my grandparents, they would take me to their cottage, which is on the South Shore of Nova Scotia. And Mm -hmm. I would be outside playing the entire day around the water and out in nature, you know? And and I think that when you're on your own like that, um, you just learn to be creative. And, and I will say, too, that drive along the number three highway along the South Shore is still one of my favorite drives along the ocean. Mm. Yeah. But, yeah, I think I was kind of always creative. Okay. So yeah. I was going to ask you, like, how you got so good because <laughs> like your well, paintings are amazing like it, it, was it just that repetition well thank you I really I mean it really warms my heart it really does it sounds cliche but it really really does when somebody connects to my work because um, you know you put yourself out there on the canvas you put your heart and you put your soul so when somebody else connects to it it, it feels like they connect with you too. So I really appreciate that. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I think that um, practice is really, really important. Uh, I think I've just, um, you know, part of it was, I don't know, I just have this way of looking at water in particular. And I, I just, um, I break down the shapes and I break down the light and I just paint what I see. And it's almost like, like I said, I go into this really quiet state and I don't even really think about what I'm doing um I don't even realize what I'm doing you know hours can pass and it feels like minutes and it's really just like meditation for me I know I keep saying that but it's so true it's so centering and it's so calming and it's just it's my happy place you know so um but yeah as far as um that's I'm thinking more painting when I use acrylics because like I said, I use a lot of different media. Mm -hmm. Um, But the epoxy resin that I use, which is that shiny, you know, really beautiful glassy kind of um, look, aerial perspective art that I do. Yeah. That is a little different. Um, That's, that's kind of an interesting story. How I, so flying in and out of Bermuda is actually what planted the first seeds for that, that body of work. Um, I would, I was like stuck like glue to the, to the airplane window looking out and trying to see, Oh, you know, you know what it's like when you're flying into that eye. Oh, and the clarity and the the reefs, like when you pass over North Rock and I don't know, it's just um, really special to see those colors from the air. Mm. And so I wanted to recreate them and I started off with acrylic, you know, and, and this was back before epoxy resin was being used by artists mm-hmm. like it is now. Yeah. And so, and it really wasn't even available. The only kind of epoxy resin that was available was the really awful, stinky, toxic, nasty stuff. And I, I knew I didn't want to bring that into my home studio. So, and like I said, nobody was making these aerial seascapes at this time. And so, what I started doing was I was experimenting and um, I experimented and I, I wrote everything down and, and I came across this artist called Michelle Teberge and she works out of San Diego, I believe. And um, she was using uh, pouring medium a lot, like um, an acrylic pouring medium. Yeah. And she was using it in a really, really different way, but I just liked, and she had like a few videos on YouTube and I liked following her and I liked that she was using it um, and coloring it in ways that allowed it the translucency 
to show through. And so I realized, huh, okay, I, I could actually, you know, use this to recreate water. Yeah. And so I started experimenting and again, like, you know, there, there's, there's a lot of YouTube videos out there now on how to do this. There was nothing, absolutely nothing, um, back then. So all I could do was experiment and document. So, um, you may know, I like to keep journals and I like to keep sketchbooks and I like to document everything. So I would, I would experiment on how, you know, to get a wave to look a certain way. And then I'd write it down so that I could do it again so that I could, you know, make, use that effect again in another work. And so I experimented a lot and I had some successes and I had some failures, but I always marked down absolutely everything and documented everything so that I could do it again, you know, pick the things that I liked and um, recreate them. Yeah. So then, yeah. And so then, um, one of my pieces that had sold got, um, damaged in like the mail. It was, it was, uh, being shipped to somebody and it got damaged and they sent it back. And it was because the pouring medium was a little softer than, well, what is what I use now, which is resin. And mm. at the time I did some research and I found out that this art resin had been launched right around the same time. So I thought, well, I'm going to try it. And it was very durable and very hard. And so it had different properties altogether. So then I started using that and um, it gave it a certain durability to my work. And that real glassy, glassy shine that um, that I'm known for today. So, so that's kind of how that came about. Interesting. So there's a couple of things I want to dig into there. The, <laughs> the idea that your art got damaged, how do you handle that in terms of like customer service? Well, um, so throughout university, I worked a lot of retail. And so customer service, I learned about customer service. And just as a consumer myself, uh, there's, you know, probably nothing that I appreciate more than good customer service. So I stand behind my work and I stand behind my word because, um, you know, it's, it's very valuable and it's just, you, your name depends on it. So when that was sent back, um, it was actually through a curator, through, um, a company called art bomb, which is, um, it's, it's a national auction, mm-hmm. um, national art auction rather. And, um, so the curator sent it back to me and, um, said, yeah, you know, sure I can fix it. And I ended up ordering the resin and I could fix it. It was not really a big deal. It was something that's fixable. So, um, I, you know, we sent it back to the collector and they were happy and the rest is history. But yeah, um, it's difficult when work gets damaged. It's, it's, um, you know, sometimes it's out of your control. Um, but I always, you know, if, if work arrives to a collector and it is damaged um you know it it will be fixed and um yeah you just kind of move on but um you have to make good on those things you have to make good on your word Mm. so Mm -hmm. and the other part is so i've really started i've been painting for well i mean i've been an artist my whole life and Mm -hmm. When I was around 18, 19, I started to get into painting and then I fell off for a long time. Now I'm really back to the point where I realized I want to be a painter. But I've been having a hard time wrapping my head around 
this idea of getting my work in front of people a, mm-hmm. and you know it's easy for me to ship a t-shirt but shipping mm-hmm. you know a three foot by four foot painting just gives me anxiety so how do you yes. how do you manage that do people actually order like get paintings from you that way on a on a consistent basis um for a while it did, but I, it's exactly how you've explained how you feel about shipping those large pieces is how I feel about shipping those large pieces too. I find it incredibly um, anxiety producing. So, um, however, having said that, um, you know, I think the best thing to do is, um, like have systems in place. So I actually recently, um, uh, well, actually it was last year I shipped down some really large pieces down to Bermuda to Bermuda society of arts, um, for a show. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it was, it's really nerve wracking, um, because there's the potential for damage, you know, there's the, there's a lot of paperwork, um, especially when it's international with in Canada, it's not so bad, but mm-hmm. international shipping your work to the United States or the UK or, you know, wherever, um, there's a whole lot of customs forms involved. Right. So, yeah, I recommend, um, so like I said, I like to document yeah. everything. So every time I, every time I ship something, I document it and I kind of have, um, checklists now, which help a lot, but, um, a lot of my larger works are actually available through the galleries. So there's a couple of galleries and shops that I work with and, um, they deal with the shipping. It's really nice when, when, you know, you can have a representative of your work, a curator who is doing the shipping for you because they either know exactly what they're doing or they have a service that they use that knows exactly what they're doing. Um, because when you're, when you're shipping out, you know, the bigger, pieces um you get into building crates and and uh especially when they're on board um and it can be very stressful yeah there's a lot of steps involved okay and so that said the another thing i'm wondering about is pre-social media how do you get Mm -hmm. people to notice your work before the social media era (laughs) yeah um Thankfully, you know, I haven't, I haven't really had to deal with that. I think pre-social media people relied a lot more on their websites, their own websites, and they relied on galleries. And um, I, I don't even, I don't even know how people would find out about calls for art, you know, because I, I know I submit to a number of group shows and, and, you know, local shows and that sort of thing. Um, and I find out about them via social media. So, yeah. So, I mean, I guess it would have been art newsletters and, and such, you know, before social media. But social media is huge for art and promotion. So I assume that because you have gallery representations that you had done promotion outside of social media. So how do you then, how do you get on the radar of these galleries? Is it by submitting to these group shows? Yeah, group shows is a great way to um, start out. And, uh, you know, if, if, if you submit a fantastic piece to a group show um, and the gallery owner, the curator notices your work um, and they have an opportunity or they have, you know, an opening where they can show your work, that, um, you know, I would think that your chances of being approached by them would be much greater. 
So I think group shows is a great way. Um, I think having um, an up-to-date CV and portfolio, and maybe just even that's online, maybe that's your website or, um, you know, um, or eat well now on Instagram. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's so, so big for visual artists. Um, But yeah, having up-to-date, like, um, like a resume portfolio, you know, what work is available, newsletters even that you send out um, to an email list. I think all of these things can really help you. And there are some, um, if you if you have a look around, there are a lot of galleries that actually do accept applications from artists. Mm-hmm. Some will say right away, we are not accepting, please don't approach us. Yeah. But I think that there's, yeah, I think there's a lot of um, opportunity out there if you really look for it, you know? Mm-hmm. Do you do you work daily? Is, is that like just a daily process for you to constantly be either sketching or painting? Uh, I'm going to say yes. I mean, there's some days where life gets in the way and, you know, I've, I've got kids and a dog and a husband and family and, you know, things get in the way sometimes and my schedule is flexible uh, for the most part, but I am pretty disciplined with it. And I think that's important to me because I think it's easy to let other things um, kind of like seep in if you don't carve out that time. Mm. and set it aside so yeah I have a home studio that I work out of so I don't have a very far commute it's just downstairs so it's um it's tough to make excuses when it's so close and um I usually have a project or two that I'm working on whether it's a piece for an upcoming group show or a body of work for you know made in the maritimes which is a local shop here they have three locations and I'm in all of them and so um, I'm very fortunate that, um, you know, I, I can, I can always be working on work and bringing it, um, to them mm-hmm. as well as, um, Argyle Fine Art Gallery and Art Bomb, like I already mentioned. So I always, and, and I do, I always say I don't take commissions, but, but I always seem to have a couple commissions on, on the go as well. <laughs> so, okay. um, but yeah, I, I, you know, and if I'm not doing that, I, I love to work in my sketchbook. I just absolutely love because it's for me, mm-hmm. you know, and I can, I can just be very free with what I'm painting in there. Mm. Do you ever feel, uh, you mentioned that uh, being free and it's just for you. Do you feel like now you've got the mm-hmm. Kimberly Eddy brand and if you mm-hmm. came with a painting that was completely different than what you normally do yeah. with, are you nervous about that? Um, if I'm honest, yeah, I think I am a little. Um, I think that, you know, I feel like I, I, I kind of, um, I, I kind of am tugged in both ways. Like I, I kind of like the idea of like staying in this lane and really kind of like being true to my brand. But I think also that, um, I think also that there's always things that go on behind the scenes that maybe people don't realize, you know, I don't share every little painting I do on social media. So people aren't maybe necessarily aware that actually I love to sketch and paint tropical plants, you know, Mm. and it kind of goes with the ocean as well. Um, But that's another one of my things um, that I do love to, to kind of do for myself. I'll, you know, I'll doodle tropical plants a lot or sketch tropical plants. And I do worry about, 
I don't know, you know, will that detract from my ocean paintings? Um, uh, not necessarily the tropical plants, but if I go in a different direction, I think that, um, I don't know. It's an interesting question. It's kind of thought provoking for me because it makes me really kind of delve into how I really feel about it. And I guess, I guess I do have some hesitation about getting, you know, straying too far from what I'm doing. But on the other hand, um, experimentation in my studio is so important to me that I'm always kind of working on these things that are a little out there, you know, that maybe I haven't kind of shown yet but I do think that work is an evolution and I think that when I look back at my early work like even even just from a few years ago to now my work has really changed and evolved mm -hmm. so so it's different but the same maybe yeah I, I get it though because I always wonder you know the day that I become a full-time artist <laughs> you know I always say, okay, while well, you're living the dream, you don't have to do side projects. But I can mm -hmm. see myself right now, I would be doing some off-the-wall things that have mm -hmm. nothing to do with my full-time art projects just because it's. If they, I feel like that kind of thing feeds your soul. It just Yes, yeah. You're, you're so right. I think that's it. And I think that there are things that, you know, because I am working with some galleries and I am um, working sort of within parameters that I have kind of set for myself, um, you don't want to become stifled or stagnate. And so I think that working outside of the box and, and you know, thinking outside of like those lines that you've drawn for yourself, I think that that can lead to growth, personal growth and artistic growth. Mm -hmm. And it does feed your soul. Yeah. Yeah. So I read recently that your son is studying marine biology. Yes, he is. I wonder how that came <laughs> about. <laughs> well, it's funny because my daughter was actually my child who was born in Bermuda when I lived there. Wow. And my son was born here in Halifax. And um, I feel like he almost has more of like a, a tie to the island than she does. He's already planning like, oh, well, maybe I'll, I'll go work down there. Cause his, um, he's an amazing free diver, untrained, like just self-taught. He free dives like 45 feet, you wow. know, down, holds his breath for about four minutes. He's, I'm, I think he's growing gills maybe. I'm not sure. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's amazing to watch. So he's been teaching me, but, um, but I'm nowhere near the free diver that he is, but um, yeah, he, his love for the, it's like a competition in my family actually between all four of us who loves the ocean more, <laughs> but I guess we'll have to, <laughs> we'll have to t call it a tie, I guess. But yeah, we um, we're an ocean loving family. That's cool. Um, and you did a show recently called The Kim's Met Show? Yeah, it's on right now. It's on still until October 1st. And it's at Argyle Fine Art Gallery in Halifax. And it's kind of an interesting story. But um, at the art gallery, um, Adriana, the owner, she represents three 
artist named Kim. And um, it's, it's funny, like we met there and, and um, you know, we'd be in the gallery for an event at the same time. So I was saying, oh, hey, Kim. And we all kind of turn around. And, and, and we found that we were, we would seek each other out at these openings and, and just to kind of hang out because we actually, you know, name aside, we actually really enjoyed each other's company. So we were having coffee one day and um, we were like, well, why don't, why don't we see if we can do a show together? Let's work together and do a collaboration. And anyway, and um, so, yeah, it's, it's sort of all about the connections um, between people, between, oh, it's, it's, it's between, you know, for me, it's nature and self-care and family. And for each of the Kims, it's a different connection. But yeah, I recommend go check out the show. It's, it's a really um, diverse and interesting show. Okay, I will do that. Uh, that is that's that's a that's a actually a really smart idea of, to do that. Uh, mm-hmm. So you mentioned um, you mentioned your different influences. Is there like any piece of advice you would give an artist that is, or you know what, someone who's someone who just is like, I have this creative thing. I don't know what mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. what I should do, how I should start with. Do you have any advice for them? Yeah. Um, I think, I think I have two pieces of advice that I would, um, that I would, I would say to somebody who kind of knows that they've got something, but you know, they're not quite sure what it is. Um, I'm a big fan. I keep going back to sketchbooks, journalings and, um, and, you know, kind of documentation, but I'm a big fan of mind mapping. So I'm such a visual person as I'm sure so many of us creatives are. Um, and basically it's just a brain dump onto a piece of paper. Like, you know, these are the things, um, I'm like, have you heard of mind mapping? Yes. It's yeah. So basically it's just kind of getting that jumble of all of those ideas that are up in your head down on a piece of paper. And then you can cross out the ones that don't really fit, don't really speak to you. Um, and then you can start organizing all that jumble into lists and ideas. And then the second part of that is using that information, um, to develop an excellent business plan. Um, and, and like including topics like administrative tasks, different streams of income, what, who's your target audience? Because I think that so many of us creatives, we have these ideas, but sometimes when they're not organized, they're difficult to execute and actually create something out of. And I think that, um, I think it's really important to have a good business plan behind your art if you really want to make a go of it. I love that you just said that. <laughs> I love that. So Good. did you think when you were planning this all out, did you say, you know, I need to sell a certain amount of paintings per year or at this price point? Or are you looking at how much time it takes me to produce work and, and, and all of those kind of calculations? Yeah, I think I'm looking at all of it. Um, I think, so I'm really, really fortunate. My amazing husband is also an amazing chartered accountant. So, (laughs) so he helps me because I'm not a numbers person at all, not even a little bit. Um, and so he helps, you know, a lot with sort of like just kind of setting up 
my accounting systems and that sort of thing. Um, because you know, numbers are just not my friend. They really aren't. (laughs) So, so I'm really fortunate in that, um, you know, he kind of keeps me in line with those things. Does he Um, like give you advice on pricing? Does he say, you know, you're undercharging for that? Does he do that kind of thing? Um, yeah, sometimes he does and he doesn't know the art market. So he can't really like, he's, you know, he's not specifically like, um, an accountant who deals with artists. I'm the only artist that he really, you know, gives advice to that way. So I don't know if he can really, um, advise me without doing a whole lot of research, um, specifically like about undercharging, but he does help me work it out. Like, well, this is, you know, these are your materials and this is your, like these are the hours that you've put in and do you think you're charging enough kind of you know he'll help me kind of reframe it and gotcha. look at it that way right so he, he helps you get come to those conclusions on your own yeah and I think that was more in the beginning so what I do I actually have a file that is um my my pricing list and because I have different um media that I work with um Mm -hmm. and some is more expensive than other like resin is really I mean it's an expensive media especially when you're when you're building these giant pieces you know that are like four or five foot long so um it can definitely come into play and definitely adds up um so there's a different price range for my resin works than there is for my acrylic works for example gotcha mm-hmm. gotcha yeah <laughs> no go go ahead i was just gonna say but it, it helps me because i'm not a numbers based person like that's not the way my brain works it really helps me to have that file that when somebody says well um how much would you know a three foot by five foot painting costs and it's it's easier for me than to say well are you interested in acrylic or resin and then i can very quickly say okay well let me look at my chart here you go this is the price got you so you yeah you do that for commissions too it's not just uh I did this painting. Here's what it costs. It's someone commissioned you as well. Yes. Um, I, I say yes really hesitantly because uh, a couple of years ago I said, I'm not doing commissions anymore, mostly because when I am painting for me, it's free. Like I keep saying it's free. It's meditative. It's calming. It's my happy place. But when I paint thinking that I'm painting for somebody else to somebody else's specifications, I become really self-judgmental and it's really hard on my brain. So at every brush stroke I make, I'm like, are they going to like this? Or is this the color blue they're envisioning? Is this the beach that they want? You know, and I'm constantly questioning myself mm-hmm. um, unless I, so basically, I, you know, what I've started doing is, is I say, I don't take commissions, but quietly sometimes I do, but it's usually people who trust my artistic um, capabilities and they trust my artistic vision and they give me artistic license. And, you know, um, they may say to me, okay, well, I want, you know, uh, I don't know, two foot by three foot painting of a Nova Scotia beach and, you know, with a calm energy and, a sunny day. And so then I'll, I'll take that and I'll, I'll create a painting for them, but I don't do paintings anymore where somebody gives me a picture of a beach and they say, okay, I want this picture painted. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's too hard on my head. It does my head in. It really does. Me too. And it's my own fault. Yeah. (laughs) It's stressful. It is stressful. There's a lot of pressure you have and 
um, mm-hmm. with art being as subjective as it is. And, and sometimes people have a certain expectation that they want to see when it's done. And if it doesn't meet that expectation, then it looks bad on you or you feel bad. or mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, it's nice to... I commissioned someone to do uh, sneaker designs for me, Kemi Smith. And yes, knowing how that feels, I I was just so open. I just I just want the Kemi Smith experience because mm-hmm. if that if I put on my own things into it, I felt like yes. I would take away from what he would actually produce. Um, totally you get it though you get it because you're a creative you know you're an artist yourself so yeah yeah some people don't get that but it's nice when people do yeah so what's next for Kimberly Eddie well what's next for me um I am currently working on a new body of work for Made in the Maritimes, and that will be available at their, like, three different locations. Um, Different pieces will be available. And I have a fun project that I'm working on that will be ready in time for the holidays, but I can't say any more about it right now. Um, (laughs) Just just a fun little thing, but it's a bit of a surprise. And um, I'm actually... You know, the ocean is so important to me and um, not just from an inspiration um, point of view, not just from where I like to spend my time point of view, but uh, obviously the ocean, you know, is, is, is in a bit of a state right now. Um, the environment is in a bit of a state and uh, with climate change. And so, I mean, it's, it's worrying and I would like to be able to use my art and I have done different um like different auctions for local charities um, to raise awareness for the ocean. Okay. But I, I would like, yeah, I'm, I'm currently thinking about projects that I might be able to do um, to become even more involved with ocean and sustainability through my artwork. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So it seems like it's a really good fit for you, actually. Beg your pardon? That seems like a really good fit for you. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's where my heart is for sure. And I would love, I just want to make sure that I find a project that, um, that my art can help the most, um, you know, and that it aligns with my values. And yeah, so it's very much in sort of the mind mapping phase right now, but um, it's something that's on my radar. Okay. So with that, where can people find you online? Um, they can find me at my website and my blog, which is KimberlyEddieFineArt.com. And from there, they can find all my links to Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, galleries and shops who represent me in both Nova Scotia and Bermuda. And of course, you can see my work in person um, at the Kinsmet Show at Argyle Fine Art until October 1st. Okay. You heard it here, folks. Here first, folks go see that show you won't regret it and thank you Kimberly for taking the time out of your schedule to do this interview I really enjoyed it and it was great to finally talk to you after years of <laughs> just uh, yeah. kind of mutual respect we have for each other's uh, stuff and you were actually one of the first people to purchase a t-shirt from me so uh, oh, I love I love my t-shirt <laughs> yeah that's great <laughs> 
Thank you for having me on the podcast. I've been really, really looking forward to it. And I love following along with you on Instagram and all of your designs. And I can't wait to see where you go next. All right. Thank you, Kimberly. Uh, Talk to you later. Okay. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Art Pays Me podcast. Thank you to Langie Beats for the theme music. If you got anything out of this show, please rate, review, and subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. The more you do this, the more reach the podcast gets, and the more artists I can help learn to make a living at what they love. If you want to know more about what I do, hit me up at artpaysme.com or at artpaysme on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Pinterest. See y'all next time.